Hello, and welcome to the STEM Untapped podcast series. We are delighted that you could join us. Research from Microsoft reveals that having a role model was one of the most effective ways to prevent girls falling out of love with STEM subjects. As all partners at Untapped are female scientists, and many of our clients and associates are female scientists, we felt that we had a unique opportunity to match students with a variety of role models of their choice. This way, students can ask the questions that are most important to them, allowing them to gain access into a diverse array of different STEM careers. In this podcast, our students are interviewing Dr. Megan Kenny. Megan is a lecturer at Sheffield Hallam University, and she specializes in forensic psychology. Enjoy the podcast. I'm Dr. Megan Kenny, and I'm a lecturer in psychology at Sheffield Hallam University. I'm a forensic psychologist, and I've been working within the forensic sector for about 10 years, but now I'm moving more into research into parapsychology and folklore and spiritual belief. I'm taking math, physics, and geography at high level, and my standard levels are languages, so Chinese, French, and English. And I would like to study math or economics in university. So I'm also looking into the STEM subjects. And I'm studying psychology, history and English at high level. And then physics, maths and French at standard level. And in university, I want to either do something to do with law or psychology, but like the criminal side of it. I chose to interview Megan because... Since I'm not sure whether I want to do psychology or law, it made sense to see what it's like from the psychology side of things to see if it will convince me. I've chose to interview Megan because me, myself, I'm already very interested in psychology and I would like to be inspired by your experience to know what I want to do for university. Okay, well, I'll do my best. How did you get to the point of knowing that you wanted to pursue forensic psychology? Oh, it's an interesting question because it's been such a long time since I started forensic psychology. It's like a different life. So I studied psychology and law at A-level as well. And and I was in the same position, really, where I didn't know whether to pursue law and become, you know, like a barrister, be really heavily involved in criminal justice system, or whether I wanted to do more a career that were based in psychology. So I ended up choosing to do psychology with criminology at university and that were really useful because it combines both really. You get the psychology side but you also get to focus on criminology and and the criminal aspect of things. So when I could choose electives at university, forensic psychology was one of them and I picked that and it was my absolute favourite module that I'd ever done at uni. I got my highest grade in it and so I thought that seemed like a good reason to continue. And so when I finished uni, when I graduated, graduated from my undergrad degree, um, I thought that it would be a good idea to pursue that. And then I, that's when I started to work in forensic settings. So we'd like to know, is the experience worth it? Yeah, I would say it is. So I worked in a secure unit when I graduated and then I worked in substance misuse for a few years after that and I've worked for community mental health and then I worked for rape crisis that was my last sort of practitioner role before I finished my PhD and started working as a lecturer 
And although they were really difficult jobs at times because you're working with people who are going through the hardest things that they'll probably ever face or going through a really difficult point in their life, particularly in substance misuse, I think that doing that gave me a real opportunity to actually see the merits of psychology as a discipline because I got to put it into action. So I got to use the theory and the knowledge that I'd got from university, from doing my undergrad and then my master's and then into my PhD to actually provide support to people and give them tools to help get them out of a situation that they were very unhappy with. So in that way, I think it was worth it. And I also think that having the opportunity to see people speak, guest lecturers at university who've been involved in solving cases. I've spoken to people from who worked on some quite high profile investigations and hearing their story about how how they got justice for families and things I think is really important. So I do think it's worth it but I think the thing to bear in mind with forensic psychology as opposed to any other branch of psychology is that you are obviously dealing with quite dark topics a lot of the time and it's important that within that you have a really strong support network and an ability the tools to look after yourself in that so that you don't become burnt out and overwhelmed is the the money you gain from it worth it no there's not nowhere near enough (laughs) but I'm sure everybody would say that realistically from a financial perspective you're going to be looking at when you first start in sort of practitioner roles, generally you're going to be looking at charity, salaries, fixed term contracts for like a year to two years. That's what I was on. You're not looking at a massive amount of money because obviously the charities, it's like third sector work. If you carry on and you do further study, you do master's and then even if you do you go on and do your PhD, obviously that gives you access to higher paying jobs. But I wouldn't necessarily say that it's an avenue to pursue if it's purely about how much money you'll make, because I think you could make as much, if not more money, doing something that's maybe not as dark and grisly and stressful. If you weren't a psychology professor, like what would you do? Writing, that's what I would do if I could make a living at it. I think that creative side is very important having things that are not just academic. So for you at this point, I know you're very focused on your studies and studies like topics that you're doing are fascinating, you know, physics and everything. It's so interesting, but make time for play as well. It's still important to do things that you enjoy just for the sake of enjoying them. And when I was talking about things like burnout and things being really stressful, a really good sort of coping mechanism for that is creativity. So although it's important to study and to work really hard and get the grades that you want, that creativity and that fun is important as well. What has been the most challenging part of your job? I tend to see it as like I've had two careers. So when I were a practitioner, the hardest part were working with people who were going through very difficult points in their life and seeing people suffering I suppose as a lecturer the job that I do now I think the hardest part is that it's a very intense job and there's a lot of expectations in terms of managing sort of teaching that I do day to day and also research and being innovative and coming up with new areas for research and things so that's quite difficult and I think personally the the hardest thing was that I did my master's and my PhD while I worked full-time and I was working full-time in like substance misuse and for rape crisis so that was very difficult sort of balancing study and working in quite a high intensity environment. What is a practitioner? 
a practitioner is a bit of a catch-all term. When I worked in mental health, I worked as part of the IAP service, so I was a psychological wellbeing practitioner. And then when I worked in substance misuse, I was like a substance misuse practitioner. So it's just a way, it's just the sort of a generic job title. Do you have a lot of free time like currently now? I have more than I used to have because obviously now I'm not studying and working full time. And I think that the lesson that I learned from that is that you have to make time for free time. So I have more free time now because I make time for it. And that's something that I always advise my students to do as well when I'm talking to them. Was there like a particular person who inspired you? If I'm really honest with you, the person who inspired me to become a forensic psychologist was absolutely Clarice Starling in Silence of the Lambs. I can trace it absolutely back to that and thinking that she was the most badass, coolest person that maybe one day I could work for the FBI, although you can't do that if you've not been born in America. So she was a big inspiration for me going down the forensic path. But I think in terms of like inspirational role models now, I would have to say that it's the women that I work with in academia who I think are really inspiring. Like I've got a research mentor, Professor Julia Hurst, who she's amazing and she's had a really long academic publishing career and she's really made massive strides in the field of sex education in schools. And she's really inspirational to me. And yeah, just the women that I work with, they're all really inspiring and doing really amazing things that are not always as recognised as they should be. How is the gender gap addressed in your career? I think when you look at psychology in particular, and you might see this in your own classes, you do tend to get a lot of women who study psychology. And I think when I see my classes at university, there's always a lot of women, but that's not necessarily reflected in an academic context in who is in getting promoted to professor or heads of department and things. So I do think although we have a lot of women who are interested in psychology, they're not necessarily getting the same career progression as the as the much fewer men that are going into it. So I do think there is still a gender gap. And I know it's something that universities are working harder to address, although I'm not entirely sure that it's working without getting too pessimistic about it. But that's why initiatives like this are so important to encourage women and young women in particular to see that there is a career path. There are opportunities and it's you who are the future of psychology and all the other STEM subjects. So hopefully as we move forward, the gender gap is much less. Are you doing any research recently? I've just done some research with people who've been involved in False memories of satanic ritual abuse, which I'll not go too far into because it's quite bleak, but that was very interesting. Um, And now I'm doing some research into people's paranormal beliefs. So I'm interviewing people to find out what their beliefs are and sort of what the impact and consequence of those beliefs are. And that's been really fascinating because I've talked to a lot of people who've told me ghost stories and things like that. So that's what I'm doing at the minute. In your opinion, what is the best part of teaching? Getting to work with students who are really passionate about the subject and they're really enthusiastic and really want to to contribute to the discipline of psychology, if that's in research or when they when they graduate and go into the careers. And it's really rewarding to think that you've got a small little tiny part in in shaping that journey for people to go on and have really successful, hopefully successful and fulfilling careers. Do you have a favourite success story? I don't know, really. I suppose 
I think because obviously I'm from a working class background, so you don't see many people like me in academia. You definitely don't hear people who talk like me in academia. And I know a few other colleagues who have come from similar backgrounds, but obviously there's not as many of us in, in academia. So I think anyone who comes from, you know, that, that sort of background and then manages to get through all the classism and sexism and racism that's inherent in academia and gets a position is a success. How has COVID affected your work? It's affected it quite a lot in terms of we went from teaching face-to-face, in person, to teaching online for a year. And now we're in a weird limbo, sort of blended learning model where we're doing some online, some in person. And I think from a teaching perspective, that had a big impact. From a research perspective, I think it's actually been a massive plus because it's encouraged everybody to do research online. And that means that you can speak to people from, in my research, I've talked to people from all over the UK, but from someone from Japan, from Europe, America. It's really opened up a lot of possibilities in that way. But I do think in the day-to-day run of teaching, it's impacted on students, I think, in terms of their engagement and how much they feel about their experience. There's positives and negatives to it, I would say. Was your family supportive of the career choice you chose? Very supportive. And I think that that is really important. Although that's not to say that if you don't have that support, that you should listen, because I think that people should really trust the gut and follow what the dreams are, whatever they are, even if that's in opposition to what people expect of you or what people think you should do. But yeah, my family have always been really supportive and really helped me to to manage when I were working and studying and, and to manage all that. Was it like a time where you wish you did something else? I did wonder if I should have studied something else. I wondered if I should have done film study because I'm really interested in in film analysis and and horror in particular and things like that. And then I did think that maybe I I won't be able to move away from forensic psychology into anything else because I've done it for such a long time. What I've learned from that is that rather than fixating on what I wish I'd done, I instead sort of shape my reality to look how I want it to. So I've made conscious efforts to move towards something that I'm interested in in terms of my research on paranormal belief and Things like psychology can apply to so many things that it can be a very flexible career choice. So if that is something that you you may be concerned about, thinking, do I want to make life-changing decisions at this age, which is understandable, I think something like psychology does give you a lot more freedom to change and to grow as you grow through your own life experience. Have you personally experienced any inequality due to your gender? I would say yes, although not overt. No one's ever directly, as part of my job, ever targeted me because of my gender. But I do see inequality even in my department and my institution. I think there's also a big class issue in higher education that I have witnessed and been on the receiving end of some sort of classism and classist remarks. There's certain academics who believe there's no such thing as a working class academic so you can't possibly be working class and be an academic, which I suppose feeds into this narrative that either if you're working class, you're not clever enough to go to university, or that if you work at a university, you're not allowed to be working class anymore. And I don't think that either of them things are true. So I would say, although I'm aware of inequality towards about gender inequality, and I'm sure I'm on the receiving end of it 
insidiously in terms of career progression. I've never noticed it directly, but I have definitely noticed classism towards me. That's what I could say I've experienced more directly. Do you think learning psychology helps you in improving the view of relationship with others? I do think that, actually. I think that taking time to study and understand what makes us human and also through I think studying psychology you get a better understanding of what makes you 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 can start to apply all that learning to yourself and I think anything that gives you an understanding of human interaction and and human nature is always going to benefit your relationships both interpersonal relationships professional relationships I think it gives you more compassion towards people because you have a bit more of an understanding about why they may be doing the things that they do what would you say is like the most interesting or like exciting part of your career? Research, definitely. I love research. It's my favourite thing to do. And I, and I feel really lucky that I get to do that as part of my job now. So when I was studying, you do your dissertation and, and I always really loved that bit. And that's what made me go on and do my master's and then do my PhD because I wanted to be in academia so I could be a researcher. And so that's definitely the most exciting part. I think getting to set up projects and then speak to people about their experiences, even doing all the reading around it to find theory. And, and it's, it's just it's endlessly fascinating. Would you say that your work has not interfered, but has affected your relationship? Whenever you're involved in something that's quite intense and quite stressful, it can have an impact because there's only so much energy that you have for everything that you have to do. And so sometimes certain things have to take a back seat when things are are busy. But I always live by the sort of motto that you are always replaceable at work, but you're never replaceable at home. So that should be what you prioritise. You can always extend a deadline, but your family and your, your loved ones are what matter. How was your daily routine as a practitioner? My last practitioner role was working for Rape Crisis, which is a really vital and important charity that does not get enough funding. I acted as an independent sexual violence advocate and also as what was known as like a well-being advocate. So it was a dual role. So part of my role was supporting survivors of sexual violence through the criminal justice process so that I'd be working with people who'd reported to police and then the sort of process of gathering evidence and going to trial would start. And then, so I'd support them through that process and then also through the actual trial itself. The part of that would involve going on visits to, for them to see the court. So that was Sheffield Court normally. And being with them on the day when they had to give evidence supporting them around that and then the other half of the job was working with people who maybe didn't want to report to the police or who had done so and they'd come to the end of that process and it was around well-being and tools to manage trauma things around employment support or help accessing other services and things like that and also just general support to talk through how they were dealing with things how they were coping so that was my last practitioner job now day to day it it varies quite a lot it just depends so today for instance I've been doing this interview I've been catching up on sort of admin stuff around research trying to find research grants and, and money that people might give me to do research and then tomorrow I'll be teaching all day so I'll be working with students and delivering seminars and lectures and I'm actually delivering my favourite lecture tomorrow, which is on occult crimes. I was a smash hit with the students. 
So it's quite a varied job. Is there anything that you're working towards? I think at the moment, I'm still sort of an early career researcher. So I finished my PhD in, it was all finalised in January 2019, I think. So I've not been necessarily like a a doctor (laughs) for a very long time. So my goal at the minute is about establishing my research profile and publishing papers and things like that, because long term, that'll mean that hopefully I'll get more grant money, which gives me more money to do research. Have you got any recommendations for like books, podcasts, TV shows, films, for anybody that wants to like pursue psychology? Yeah, I think for forensic psychology in particular, there's there's quite a few interesting documentaries, although I wouldn't necessarily say that they're I wouldn't use them as a reference in an essay, shall we say. (laughs) But definitely things like Evil Genius on Netflix. Making a Murderer is a good one to understand sort of the flaws in the criminal justice system. And it's based in America. But to get an idea about miscarriages of justice, which is something very important for us to think about as forensic psychologists. In terms of books, Val McDermott wrote a book called Forensics. And that talks about sort of crime scene investigation and what forensic science is all about in the context of crime. In terms of parapsychology, I would say the book by Caroline Wyatt, I think her name is, she wrote a very good introduction to the topic. There's loads and loads of podcasts about parapsychology. There's a lot of ones about cryptids. Parapod is an award-winning one, and I was interviewed for that podcast as well, so a little plug for me there. Thank you for joining another STEM Untapped podcast. If you know of a school or group of students that would like to interview female STEM role models, do get in touch. Likewise, if you know of anyone who would be a great female STEM role model, please do let us know. Our details are all documented in the show notes.